Hey, my name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right, would you stand for our scripture this morning? It's out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It reads this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we were working through how do we want to wrap up the year in terms of preaching and teaching, uh, one of the things that we have thought about and noticed as pastors is maybe the area of the Christian life where people feel like they need the most help or, or they feel um, maybe the least equipped or the most insecure and that they want to grow the most is around the area of prayer. Um, especially we start off our year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, and I've just noticed that many people, they, they want their prayer life to be better than it is. Um, last week, uh, we asked uh, people to fill out um, a little card, and they kept one and turned one in. On one side, it has a couple of words describing their current prayer life. And on the other side, um, describes the prayer life that they want to have. Now, a, a couple of you guys um, clearly have wonderful prayer lives already, and that is so cool. Um, many of us, though, uh, this confirms what I was guessing, many of us, uh, we want to grow in that area. Um, some, some words like, my current prayer life is sporadic. I want it to be consistent and personal. Um, my prayer life currently is routine. It's often scripted and unchanged. Uh, I want it to be meaningful and deep. Um, right now, my prayer life is, is flickering, mostly on, I want it to be on fire 24-7. Um, someone said, my prayer life currently is minimal and only when I need something. I want to be talking to God about everything. I'm currently scattered and I want it to be natural. My current prayer life is desperate, weak, and sporadic. I want it to be consistent, strong, and steady. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a box full. I have hundreds of responses um, from you guys that, that say that that's where you're at. Um, probably the, the biggest theme that I saw is something around um, like sporadic or inconsistent, like my prayer life isn't, isn't a regular part of my life and I want it to kind of just be in the flow of what I do. And I have noticed that in my teaching on prayer, when I, I get so excited about teaching on prayer, um, it's almost embarrassing. And, but when I do, I think in the past, maybe how I've taught has been unhelpful because I'm like shooting for the stars, you know, and like, let's go. And I think a lot of folks seem like, I just, I just need to get started, man. I need, I need a couple of handholds just to help me get moving, like just help me find my next step. And so we identified... Um, a book uh, called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. Um, this is a great title. That is, um, we've got copies of that out at the info desk if you want um, to check that out. Um, it's by an author that has been my favorite author on prayer since I was probably like 
18 or 19, a guy named Pete Gregg. And we are using um, his book as a bit of a guide for our series just to help people find their next step and get going. And he provides a little bit of a, a structure around how to grow your prayer life. And I, maybe when I say structure um, about your prayer life, what people might assume um, is, is something, maybe wouldn't say it this way, but it's something a little like a, a box when I say structure for prayer. It's like I want to figure out what the right boundaries are so that I can do it right. And I'm scared that my prayer life is not going to be right or good enough. And so I want you to help me build the box so that I can, I can get it right on the inside so that I can kind of like hold prayer well. And I don't, I don't want it to be outside. And, and people often feel insecure about their prayer life. They're like, it just doesn't, doesn't look right. I don't think it's built right. Um, I've noticed as a pastor, I have to be prepared to pray for every meal that I am near because people are scared to pray, right? You know, especially if I, you know, am, am around, you know, they're like, I don't know, we can't eat in front of the pastor unless we pray. And so I've, I've learned to just say, I'd be glad to. I'd be glad to, you know, kind of. And maybe we imagine that some other people, their prayer, their, it's beautiful. It's like a wrapped Christmas present with like a bow on top. And when they pray, we're like, oh my gosh, I wish my prayer life was like that. I kind of have like a sucky little cardboard box over here and, you know, of our prayer life. And, and I just want it to be that good. And when it's not that good, I'm kind of embarrassed about it. And I just, just sort of tuck it away. And so maybe we look for what is the right structure so that I can find the right way to build kind of like a container for my prayer life. Often even, um, I think people imagine the Lord's prayer like that. You know, when, when the disciples um, came to Jesus and said, can you teach us to pray, just remember, if you ever wonder, like, can I get better? If I just want to get better at my prayer life. I don't feel like it's that great. You and St. Peter, right? I mean, that is a normal question for people who are following Jesus, is to say, I don't feel like I'm that good at that. Jesus, can you, help, can you help me with that? And then he provides them with what is often called the Lord's Prayer. And people, maybe you grew up in a tradition where they use that every Sunday, and that can be a great thing. But here's the thing. I, I notice um, that Jesus, as far as we know, never uses that prayer again. Um, and the disciples, as far as we know, never use it. It's not recorded anywhere that they use the, the Lord's Prayer. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But that tells me maybe it's not about, like, how do I pray right like, can you give me the right words in the right way? Because I really don't want to screw it up and, like, be bad at prayer in front of God. No pressure, you know. And I wonder if when Jesus is giving people something like the Lord's Prayer, when people are learning how to pray, or when we talk about structure for prayer, we're not talking about something to box us in. Maybe, maybe we're talking about structure that, um, that provides the opportunity for movement. Maybe when we talk about prayer and structure, we're talking about can we give people something that they can like jump on? Like something that gets them moving a little bit. Like not something that boxes you in, but something that brings a little bit of life to you. And this is the most nervous I have ever been in a sermon. I just, I just want you, you know what I mean? You gotta like, right? <laughs> and, like, what, 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 have you ever been around someone that their prayer life seems to have some like life to it, like it, it's something to jump on. It's not the kind of structure that keeps them, it's kind of the structure that like 
turns them loose a little bit. And when we, I'm a little out of breath. Um, <laughs> when we talk about prayer, I don't, I don't want to give you guys something that's like, this is the right way to do it, and if you don't do it this way, you're a screw-up as a Christian. It's more like, how can we get some life? How can we get moving? And, and that's what I want to talk about. In Pete Gregg's book, he provides a very simple structure. It's an acronym. I tend to hate acronyms because I think they feel a little corny. But they can be helpful for learning. Like, how do we, how do we jump a little? How do we get moving? And um, he just simply has P-R-A-Y. Jeffrey did a fantastic job last week. Um, if you didn't see the sermon last week, you need to. You have homework. Um, go watch it on our YouTube channel. And we started with P, pause, like I need to do to catch my breath right now. Um, that maybe, how do I pray? Well, what if, what if it's whether you're in your living room for 15 minutes or your bed before you go to sleep or you're in your car on your way to work or you're sitting in the pickup line or your roommate isn't home right now and you just take a minute and you just pause and recenter our scattered senses on God's presence with us. It's not hard. It's actually the opposite of hard. It's, it's letting go and letting our scattered senses focus on God's presence with us because my senses are a little scattered most of the time. And maybe you set a timer. Maybe it's 30 seconds, if that's helpful. Maybe it's two minutes. I've noticed one of the gifts that have been floating around our church staff to some of our volunteers have been these little two-minute sand timers. Anybody seen those floating around? And it's for prayer, just to take a couple of minutes and breathe. And, uh, and where we go from there is what I want to talk about today. I want to look at one of um, probably the most loved passages about prayer from the Apostle Paul. Um, to the church in a town called Philippi. And in chapter 4, he says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That when Paul is trying to teach this community about prayer, maybe we can start with pausing, but then we can lean into Paul's teaching here to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, you know, so pause and then Rejoice. Um, what, what do I do next? And may, maybe you're thinking, man, my prayer life's pretty strong. I don't feel like I need like a little acronym. This is a great way to teach prayer. Maybe to friends that are, that are new to the Christian faith or people that are struggling a little bit or, or, or to your nephews or your kids or whatever. This can be a, a way to grow. Now, now, when we talk about rejoice, here's another little confession of mine. I don't like the word rejoice. I don't like it because I don't use it. When was the last time you used the word rejoice in normal conversation? But did you see the new Top Gun movie? Oh yes, I was just rejoicing. No, we don't say we don't talk about re- rejoicing. And just to confirm my my suspicions, I went on um, Google, you know, where facts are, and I I did, 
um, I did an image search of the word rejoice, you know, and here's some things that came up. Um, Here's like a typical like church flyer. You know, there was a lot of churchy stuff, you know, Christmas coming up. And I just imagined the word rejoice, forgive me, but as being used by like some sweet old church lady in a basement with church potluck, there's like 17 casseroles all with cream of mushroom soup. And, you know, as the base, and she's saying, oh, brother Tim, we just rejoice in the Lord in this time of fellowship, insert Bible verse that doesn't apply, bless your heart, right? You know, and like, it's just not a word we use much. It's just not a word. Here was, here's another thing um, that came up. There was by far, this is probably the most, it was pictures of people with their hands open, facing the sun. I don't know why this is the image that everybody has when they think of rejoice, but this was it. The other thing that came up when I Googled the word rejoice is rejoice brand shampoo. <laughs> Didn't know that was a thing, um, but there you go. So that's the three things our world thinks of when they think of rejoice. Churchy stuff, slightly cheesy stock photos, and hair products. So there you go. Um, I'm a bit of a word nerd. And I, I wanted to dig in. Why did Paul use that word not once but twice? He's excited about asking people to rejoice. And if you break it apart, it's not that hard to, for me to, to start jumping a little on it. Because it's to rejoy ourselves. To reconnect with the joy in the world. Anybody here got too much of that in their lives? Like it's to take, a, what if, what if, what if, just a few times a week if we took time and we paused, we recentered our scattered senses on God's presence with us and we reconnected with joy. And, and the, the, the word he uses in Greek um, that we translate rejoice is Cairo or, or Cairo, like the town in Illinois. Um, and its root word is charis, which is what I named my daughter, which means gift. When, when we take time to find the gift, to name the gift, we find joy again. It's like life and joy start to open back up. When someone can look around and they take time to see life and the things around them as a gift, joy starts to come up and that starts to turn into prayer. Did you know we can name experiencing joy as prayer if we can look to God and say thank you? And, and it, it, you know, it, it, you'd imagine if someone can't do that, it kind of leaks into their whole personality. There's a, here's a news story that I spotted last week, and it ended up on the late night talk shows um, throughout the week, which is kind of funny. Um, and uh, here's, this is just some clippings from the NPR article. Um, a Florida woman, okay, when an article starts with something out of Florida, you know, I grew up in Florida, and we just thought it was local news, you know. And then you move out, and you find out the whole country thinks you're crazy. And so a Florida woman is accusing Kraft Heinz of misleading advertising based on the time it takes to prepare a single-serving cup of microwavable mac and cheese. While the company markets its Velveeta shells and cheese as being ready in three and a half minutes, the woman says that's only the amount of time each cup needs to be microwaved and the actual preparation process from stirring the water in and letting the cheese sauce thicken takes longer. The 15-page class action lawsuit filed earlier this month alleges that the parent company, Kraft Heinz, sells more of the product at a higher price than it would if it didn't mislead customers for the pastas prep time. 
the lawsuit seeks more than $5 million in damages. Don't you know that lady is a party? Can you imagine? Can you, I'm, I'm making some jumps here. Can you imagine being around someone that is mad at their mac and cheese? What's there to be mad about? It's carbohydrates covered in cheese that came out of your magical microwave box, right? I mean, like, and, and so is, is, this, is this a challenge for this, for this person who I don't know? Is it a challenge for her to look at her life and see it as a gift? And, and what, what about that you know, on a more realistic level? For some of us that have trouble seeing, seeing our life is, is a gift, what does that do to our relationships? You know, the, the next thing that Paul says um, after rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. That there's a connection between naming the gift in our lives and being gentle. And that, and that it changes all of our relationships. It is evident to all. The, the passage right before this is about two women in disagreement in, in this church. He says, I plead with Eudia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask my, you, my true companion, this church, to help the women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. That, that there is a connection, some cyclical, um, systematic, systemic connection between mended relationships and joy. B between, between gentleness being evident to all and joy. Um, one of the church fathers in about 360, Marius Victorinus, um, said this means that the consequence of having unity in understanding and faith is that they rejoice in the Lord and are always dear to one another. Rejoice in the Lord, he says. Again, I say rejoice. For when you are joined in the heart, you rejoice in the Lord, and when you rejoice in the Lord, you are joined in heart. And isn't that the truth? And, and what, what if when people say, I don't know how to pray, I don't feel confident in my prayer life, here's a great way to start. Where can you look at your life? Maybe especially the people in it. You can look at your life and name the gift and say to the Lord, thank you. Thank you. You know, the, after um, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all, he says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That there's, there's this belief that whatever our situation is, that God is near. And so, Maybe if, we, if I could break out the rejoice thing a little bit. You know, for me, maybe a first step in the rejoice thing is to reflect. Is after maybe you pause and you, and you, you know, kind of dial down a little bit and it's time to say, okay, where is the gift? I need to take a pause and reflect and say, where is God near to me? 
Maybe, maybe your life is quite boring and you might have to think through things a little bit. Maybe your life is awesome and it's not hard in that particular day and time. It's just like bursting with gift and joy and overflowing. Maybe it's hard. And you might think, this just sounds like blind optimism. Like, have you ever met someone whose Christian faith seems to be a shield from admitting the reality of the world? It seems to be their way that they avoid problems by just being happy, happy, happy all the time. This doesn't seem to be what scripture is inviting us into. Among other things, he doesn't say give thanks or rejoice for every situation in that passage. He says give thanks and rejoice in every situation. The, the same author, the Apostle Paul, I don't know how much about his life you may be familiar with, but I just pulled out a few, a few passages where, where he talks about this. Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope. Now that means that you're waiting for something. That you don't have to have the thing you're waiting for to be joyful. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. And faithful in prayer. So affliction and not having what you're hoping for are not mutually exclusive from joy. Um, 2 Corinthians 6. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonment, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in verse 10, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Do you, do you see that? Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That means that he can name the gift, even in the middle of sorrow, in the middle of being or in the middle of having nothing, beatings, imprisonment, riots, sleepless nights, hunger, hard work, that is someone who knows how to jump. That's someone whose life is not like boxed in, but when they go to God in prayer, it's like life. I want to get around that person that knows how, even in the middle of all of that, to find joy, not to deny the wrong, but to find joy in it. Um, here in Colossians uh, 1, maybe this is like, where does that come from? Verse 24, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body which is the whole church. See that? He is able to rejoice in suffering. Why? I wonder if it's because he can see Jesus on the cross. And when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about God that left glory to enter into pain, not to deny it, but to enter into it, to take tragedy on himself. And in that place, we find the gift of God. Forgiveness, a way to be with him again. And Paul says, I want to be like Christ and I can rejoice even in my sufferings because I think somehow in this I am a part of God healing the world like Christ. 
So whatever is happening in your life, I think there's place for joy. Not saying everything is good, but to find joy. Maybe a few questions. These might be good to jot down, um, to, to think about it. What is good? As you take time to reflect in prayer so that you can get to the rejoicing part. Maybe, maybe you're new at this. What is good? Where is the gift in the middle of all of this? Where is the gift? Where is God coming to me in this? Because we believe that the Lord is near. If he can be on the cross, then he can be with you in whatever you're going through. I, you know, maybe a bit of a cliche, um, you know, like a therapist if they're meeting with someone and they don't know what to say, they can always ask the question, and how does that make you feel? I've, I, I have a guy named Dan who's my spiritual director. I meet with him on Zoom, and he helps me look for where God's working in my life. And I've noticed his, his like, get-out-of-jail-free card question is, and where is God coming to you in that? And maybe my response is, I don't know, Dan. I don't <laughs> I don't want to think about where God, I'm just, just mad right now. Where is God coming to you in your anger? Okay, let me, let me look. Let me look. Um, for people that are, are maybe trying to grow in their prayer life, um, I found it really helpful to have a prayer journal. Um, it's not magical. Um, it's not that impressive. Uh, if you were to thumb through mine, you'd probably think less of me. <laughs> um, but... I find it helpful, um, especially as I'm like reflecting on scripture. Take some scripture, read it, and that's a space to reflect and see what God wants to say to me. And, uh, and I, just, I just make some, make some notes about what God is, is saying. And sometimes it can be helpful if I'm using the P-R-A-Y format. I don't always, but I do sometimes. I just take time and name the gift. And where is God coming to me in this? The reason why I write it down I know this comes as a shock, but I'm not great at being focused. You have experienced this in my preaching. And um, in writing, I can have the best of intentions. I can start off trying to pray, and then I will catch myself later wondering if the mayonnaise that I ate last night was expired. And I'm just off. You know, anybody else on that? And for whatever reason, writing a little bit helps me stay focused. And maybe those, a couple of those questions would be helpful for you as, you as you grow your prayer life. What is good? Where is the gift? Where is God coming to me in this as we reflect? And then sometimes, another shocker, I stumble on things in my life that aren't right. On places that I have said no to God, on places that I have been selfish, made bad choices, not loved my neighbor, whatever, and that just means that it's not just that I reflect, but I need to take time to repent. To repent. And to tell God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And wh why is that under the rejoicing? Because it leads to me receiving forgiveness. To hearing the Son of God whisper in your ear, all is well. All is forgiven. You're mine. That leads to experiencing the gift again. Um, I know I'm nerding out on you guys, but 
Um, one of my favorite church fathers, John Chrysostom, about this passage. He said, this rejoicing is not separable from grief. For indeed, it is rather deeply connected with grief. The one who grieves for his own wrongdoing and confesses it is joyful. That people that have joy aren't people who ignore what's wrong in their life. People that can name it, bring it to God, and receive forgiveness. And what a sweet act of prayer that is. And I'll, I'll write those out. That's why you cannot look in my prayer journal. Because I'm confessing in there and receiving joy from the Lord. And, and when, when we take time and we, re, we rejoice and we reflect and we repent and we, we name the gift, something, something happens. Um, the next thing that Paul says is, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a promise. How, how much time and energy do we have to spend guarding our own hearts and minds? Defending ourselves. And here there's an invitation. If we take time and name the gift to connect with the joy, to rejoice that what happens is God's peace comes and it guards our hearts for us. Guards our minds for us. That we don't have to fight. We can let him defend us by naming the gift, by reflecting and repenting, by receiving forgiveness. And then his peace comes and takes care of us. So there's, there's this reflecting, there's this repenting, and then that connects us back to the joy. Um, if prayer is hard for you, um, I could imagine it's because maybe you haven't experienced life there yet. If it just feels like a box to try to fit in or a bunch of oughts or something you're just supposed to do, about as exciting as eating your vegetables but when we experience life there, all of a sudden we start to jump and things change a little. And um, my favorite author, Abraham Heschel, um, says, someone who gazes through a window at people jumping and moving thinks they are mad. Then he goes inside and hears the music. They are dancing. From the outside, prayer is difficult to understand. Only when the inner music is perceived can prayer begin to have meaning. That maybe if you're struggling with prayer, I get it. But maybe the place to start is by naming the gift in front of God and saying thank you and let that help you start jumping a little bit. So in our, in our time together today, we're gonna practice. Everyone is getting a trampoline. No, I'm kidding. Um, we're just going to take some time together and, and work on this. Um, so if you would, right now let's practice what we preach and we're going to take some time and pause. So would you right now just maybe close your eyes and refocus your scattered senses on God's presence with us. Breathe. 
We talked about the connection sometimes between the joy and the gift of relationships. Would you just let God bring to mind right now someone that is a gift to you? Like when you're with them, you're able to jump a little bit. And would you just tell the Lord thank you? Maybe you can whisper that over your lips or say it in your heart. Say thank you, God. Thank you for them. They're a gift. And tell them why. Tell them what it is about that person. Thank you, Lord. You get bonus points if right now you pull out your phone and you send a text. Just to say something like, I'm grateful for you, thinking about you this morning. Yeah, it's all right, go ahead. I'm grateful for you. Would you um, think about your place in life right now? And maybe just ask the, the question something like, what is good? Where is the gift? Where is God coming to me right now? As those come to mind, just tell the Lord, thank you. You can say, I love you too. What is the gift right now? For the person whose life feels um, awful and that's hard, just the words that the prophet Habakkuk wraps up his book came to mind. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And as you look out on your life, and if it feels like no sheep in the pen, no food, trees that do not bud, I would just invite you to say, but Lord, I want to see where you are near and I want to see the gift and I want to rejoice in you because you are my strength.
maybe ask him to give you a picture of him on the cross. And you can thank him for that. And then last, to repent. As you think about the last 24 hours, we'll start there. Would you let God lovingly bring to mind the places where you have made wrong choices, where you have not done God's will, where you have not loved your neighbor or heard the cry of the needy, where you've been selfish? been living in shame and hiding. Just tell him I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That proves God's love towards us. So in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. Forgiven. Just tell him thank you. Thank you, God. Maybe this can be a little pattern to help you start your prayer life or to take a next step. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to lacroixchurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out and we hope to see you soon.